I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane in Eastern Washington. This is the Bishop and the Vicars. It's the summer and the Vicars are in a well-deserved vacation. We have a return guest uh, and a new uh, also co-host, our executive producer, Hillary Hammett, sometimes known as Mary Richard. But <laughs> we're interviewing, um, you perhaps would recall, a good friend of mine from my days in California, Father Gary Thomas. Father Gary Thomas is a priest of the Diocese of San Jose. He is the pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Saratoga. He was ordained in 1983. Father uh, Gary was uh, ahead of me in St. Patrick's Seminary. We became friends. And when I was auxiliary bishop in the Diocese of San Jose from 2011, 2015, when I came to Spokane, three of those four years, I was in residence at Sacred Heart Parish. So we're a good friend. He also has uh, another role that he plays, uh, perhaps uh, a role that in some people's uh, eyes may be more interesting. But at his heart, Father uh, Gary Thomas is a true shepherd, a pastor of his people at Sacred Heart. But he's also the exorcist for the Diocese of San Jose, also called upon in many ways uh, to be consulted on issues uh, so crucial in the about demonic possession and confusion or clarification. So Father Gary, welcome back and um, tell us a little bit about uh, your training. I think uh, again, uh, people want to know too, can I, did these people just wake up one day and suddenly they become exorcists for a diocese? Uh, tell us something about this. Sure. Bishop, thank you very much for having me on the program once again. Um, in 2004, uh, St. John Paul II issued a mandate uh, through the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, requiring every bishop in the world to select a priest and train them to be an exorcist. And that was largely in response to the growing epidemic uh, amount of occult activity that was becoming uh, very mainstream practiced amongst Europeans. In 2005, uh, Bishop Patrick Joseph McGraw, the Bishop of San Jose, chose to appoint uh, an exorcist after receiving a variety of requests, uh, which he shared with me after he eventually appointed me. Um, I was preparing to go on sabbatical uh, at the end of a 12-year stint as pastor of St. Nicholas, and I was not the first uh, person he actually, priest he actually approached. The first priest he actually approached, um, I think, had very, very good credentials to assume this role, but chose for a variety of reasons to decline. And I was informed of this decline, and I just simply said I felt I could perform this ministry. And very providentially, I was getting ready to go to Rome. So Bishop McGraw, in appointing me, mentioned there was a course I could take in Rome at the Virginia Apostle Arm Seminary, which I did which is how I eventually um, came to become acquainted with several Americans who then were able to help in the uh, locating of an exorcist for me to apprentice under while I was on my sabbatical in Rome, which was essential to the actual training for this role. So it wasn't a ministry I was seeking. It was a ministry that kind of, I think in a way, kind of sought me out. And I felt uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a sense of why um, I would be unable to perform this ministry when it was simply suggested that um, this priest was going to turn the ministry down and I just simply in a very serendipitous way just said I, I feel I could perform that ministry. So I worked in Rome uh, while I was on sabbatical for three and a half months under Father Carmen de Fipolis, the Capuchin priest, was one of the nine designated exorcists at the time, and then came back from my sabbatical at, at its conclusion and then be, began to 
assumed that role upon request by uh, Bishop McGraw. And the normal protocol usually has been the diocese would refer people to me. However, when the movie and the book, The Right, uh, was published in 2009, based on my experiences of being trained in Rome, and then the movie was the book was turned into a movie. Um, most of the time now, people just know because of the public nature of the work I do to contact me in that fashion. And many of the people who contact me, the majority of people who contact me, are from outside of the Diocese of San Jose. And what we try and do is really reconnect them with the appropriate authorities in their own in their own Do place. most uh, we have uh, a priest exorcist in the Diocese of uh, Spokane? Do most dioceses in the United States, in response to uh, at the time Pope John Paul, now Saint John Paul, did they heed that uh, request and uh, appoint uh, someone trained for this? I think yes. Over time, I don't think there was uh, there was not a, a, a tsunami mm -hmm. response, but uh, the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops established a school at Mundelein um, Seminary in Chicago five years ago. And there's an Episcopal moderator who is also uh, is part of the governing body. And I would say in the last four years, there's been two cohorts of priests, 50 in each class, plus other guys, other priests such as myself. So I would say the majority of dioceses now in the United States have at least have a priest who's been trained uh, to be the contact person for, for most of the dioceses in the United States. And then in some cases where they don't have an exorcist per se, I think the fact that there's many more priests now who have gone through the training, oftentimes a diocese will seek the assistance of another local church for assistance when those occasions occur. Now, I know from my time when I lived in residence at Sacred Heart, uh, and we would talk uh, periodically about what you were called upon to do, you had a team, so you don't do this alone. Can you say something about the team? And Because there are some uh, individuals who believe that this is some medieval practice. In fact, in the movie The Exorcist, when the doctor, the doctors have exhausted everything, the doctor uh, brings this up and he kind of makes light of the fact that it's kind of a throwback to the Middle Ages and uh, not so sure even who believes it anymore. So in keeping with this professional training, but also the fact that so many people may have psychological disorders that have nothing to do with uh, any type of demonic behavior. How do you bring and the church uh, the type of quality, uh, professional, medical, psychological? You have this in a team. Can you say something about sure. that? The ministry itself is intrinsically collaborative. So none of the ministry in any which way do I um, perform alone. I'm always performing in collaboration, especially both in the sermons as well as the actual exorcisms and deliverances. So in the forward to the former, to the formal right, in the forward, it is very explicit. The exorcist must consult with experts in other related fields as part of the discernment. So to that end, um, I uh, selected, uh, with the help of the Daughters of Charity uh, in the Diocese of San Jose, I selected a doctor, and uh, through the help of other uh, Catholics uh, who are in the mental health field, I was able to select several uh, psychologists, clinical psychologists and psychiatrists, all of whom are Catholic, all of whom are practicing, all of whom believe in the existence of personified evil. And the reason that they all need to be persons who believe in the existence of personified evil is that, first of all, in, these, in the therapeutic world, most therapists are 
are non-believers in the existence of God, or they're agnostic at best. And so when I've been asked this question before by the media, the reason that we need to have practicing Catholics who believe in the existence of personified evil is that the discernment of the symptoms or the signs need to include, is there a preternatural possibility for the reason why this person is suffering in this fashion, as opposed to we're not looking for somebody to come in and rubber stamp what we would like everyone to believe. But it, in the optic of faith, you need to have both a social science professional background or a medical background, but also the optic of faith to look to see, in light of the ex expertise I have, it, can we conclude that there is a potential for a preternatural root as to what the person is suffering from? Hillary, you had some um, uh, questions kind of as far as in the circle of people um, that you know of in, in both in your professional life and, and your life as a, as a convert and uh, just the, the various circles of living in California and living now in Washington. You must hear um, people when they find out you're Catholic and uh, maybe connected with the radio show. Um, when you know, What is this whole thing about uh, evil or, or exorcism? What have, what have yes, you heard? Indeed. What type of questions have you well, been asked? Exactly. There, there is, a, a, to be sure, a blurring, I guess you could say, a blurring and a, a graying between good and evil. We don't, we don't like to identify. You, you, you discussed, there, you know that there is a personification issue. Mm -hmm. you, there, there is a, I don't know, uh, there are personalities, there are, are tribes of these that uh, work together. Uh, and um, on the other hand, if, if, we're, if we're not able to identify that there is a, a real personification, how can we possibly, you know, what our our idea of God is also very beige and very vague and very unapproachable. We we don't like to go there in our culture anywhere. It's it's very. Um, it's been sanitized. Sanitized is the right word. Uh, it's uncomfortable, um, and it's a lot safer to not go there, right? Because then we don't have to deal with real problems in our life you know we like the uh, idea of uh, what what you constantly deal with are these uh, individuals who are suffering because the problem is hidden mm -hmm. and your work brings those hidden things out into the light mm -hmm. and the two are not the same they are not great there is darkness and there is light mm -hmm. and they have a name my primary role, and I tell this to folks when we begin the whole discernment process, my primary role is to get to the root cause of the person's suffering. Everybody who comes to myself and or the team are all suffering, whether it is from a preternatural condition, in other words, a demonic condition, or a medical, psychological, psychiatric condition, or some other condition. But every single person is coming with a, with a suffering. And this is a healing ministry. And so, when I give talks around the country, I always like to stress it's a healing ministry. It was one of the primary pieces to Jesus' sort of job description. He healed and he taught. His whole purpose in coming and, and his incarnational call has everything to do with the defeat of Satan, sin, and death. And so in, our, in the world in which we live today, very, 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 very often because there's been no real understanding of Satan, who was Lucifer, God did not create personified evil. 
personified evil became, came as a result of the angelic realm whose keen understanding and gifting of free will is, hard, is far higher than our own, and that God gave the angelic realm a notion of the entire future of what would, what would take place in terms of humanity. And so their own free will is far keener than our own. So the rebellion by Lucifer and a third of the angels because of pride and jealousy against the human race and the creation of human beings is what caused not only the rebellion in heaven, but the fall of, the, of, of, of Lucifer, who then takes on this title, Satan, coming from the Hebrew Satan, meeting adversary. So when Catholics and others today think, well, geez, well, well, how, did, how, did, how does this, where do we get this personified evil from? It's been with us before the, any recordings in, in the Bible. It's been with us since the earliest days of human beings creating. We're going to take a break now, and we're going to come back. And joining me on this is uh, our guest, uh, Father Gary Thomas uh, from the Diocese of San Jose and Hilary Hammett, uh, co-host. Welcome back. It's the Bishop and the Vickers Show, but the Vickers are off for the summer, and joining me is Hilary Hammett. We're interviewing uh, Father Gary Thomas from the Diocese of San Jose, pastor of Sacred Heart Parish, Saratoga, a good friend of mine from my days at St. Patrick's, our days at St. Patrick's Seminary, and also the exorcist for the Diocese of San Jose. Father, you were talking before the the break about, uh, you know, uh, um, Lucifer and, and um, the existence of evil and, and the, uh, the free will. Um, how do people get involved in um, in evil? How do they open up themselves to it uh, in light of your experience? I call them doorways. So there is a, in the culture we live in today, there is a lot of, under the umbrella of occult or new age activity, there is a whole variety of um, activities that people can use as, in a sense, perversions to the understanding of classical spirituality, uh, the efficaciousness or the power of prayer. Those occult activities would include things such as Wicca or Ouija boards or tarot cards, uh, spells, witchcraft, white magic, black magic, seances, um, certain forms of Eastern meditation, all of which the occult literally means knowledge. So what people are seeking they're seeking knowledge or answers to questions that traditional Catholic Christian spirituality doesn't always provide. And a lot of it honestly has to do with the milieu of technology. Now I'm not blaming technology, but in the milieu of technology today, A, we can become very self-served um, self, uh, uh, self because we really don't, if we have technology at our fingertips, we don't necessarily need to interact with lots of people, number one. We have become far more independent than interdependent. And secondly, oftentimes, um, what we're seeking, in a, in a, we want instant answers. And the, the days when we would look to God for answers and ask for the grace of God to give us the answers we need or the direction we need, now people can go to the internet and they can get online and they can go to a variety of um, occult-like activities or they can go out and seek, the, the, um, seek a shaman 
for um, answers or have a shaman uh, train them in how to conjure Satan or how to conjure spirits slash demons in order to create relationships to give people what they want, not what they need. What would be, just for our listening audience, what is a shaman? A shaman would be considered a, a kind of perverted priest or a priestess uh, who has either uh, claimed the abilities um, in, in, in sort of an esoteric kind of way, in, in a very perverted kind of spirituality, to uh, offer kinds of um, uh, an offer kind of a relationship with a spirit or a set of spirits in order to be able to lead people down a path that's going to give them what they want, not what they need, and it's very very godless. I mean, so shamans would be people um, who would have relationships with spirits and would be advocates for people who are also seeking those kinds of same same kind of perverted gifts. Mm-hmm. Hiller, you had uh, maybe in light of kind of, again, your kind of a circle of people that you come to know in various ways. Um, well, how do they, when you bring up, for example, you're Catholic and and uh, maybe that you were part of this show and you, we talked about evil and we interviewed Father, um, uh, Father Gary Thomas, an exorcist who, uh, you know, as you know, was uh, the basis of the book The Right and then became a movie. The movie not as accurate as, as the book displays. Um what have you seen in um, – do people that, that, that um, decide that, um, that, oh, this is all just all, all just kind of medieval, as I mentioned before the break, medieval stuff. Um, do you know of people who actually um, have, would trust in a shaman who would, oh, would yes. turn to him? Uh, I think people uh, nowadays are very intrigued by it. I've heard various comments about um, – uh, <clears throat> well, uh, I'm 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 aware of individuals who would consider themselves uh, a shaman, or um, I heard of one in Santa Barbara who was a um, who who was able to come into your home and uh, understand what your animals were thinking, and uh, one of them, uh, you know, uh, had something to say about one of our pets who they had never met and they'd never been in our home, and they I thought, thought that Sparky was, was possessed. You know that the dog, this this particular dog in one house, was going through its particular problems because it missed this other dog, uh, and the name of the dog was given, who happened to be our dog, and I thought that was a little uh, questionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay, so how you know I would I would um, at the time these are people that you know I just are. Uh, uh, delightful people. They don't. Um, they're intrigued by this, and it's it's sort of uh, and fascinating. So so that I think they could be drawn in very easily to um, this whole. Uh, you talk about a milieu or, or a, a, an area that uh, all discernment is tossed out. We're open to new ideas. We're open to new. Um, ways and it's part it, 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 it's appealing because it you're you're persuaded that there is um, a new way of understanding it's a little broader right and a little more special well that happens a lot in the circles and sort it, of gnostic or it, well in Gnosticism yeah. when the break uh, father was talking about like kind of some of these individuals in the media and Hollywood uh, who now um, have liberated themselves from the shackles of organized religion. And yeah, can you say something about that? Uh, 
Well, yeah. for example, if you go on the internet and you you just simply dial in a YouTube on Beyonce in her performance at one of the Super Bowls that took place just a number of years ago, there's a whole analysis on the, everything from the way she moves her body to the way she moves her fingers to the sequences on her own dress, that very much there are many, many symbols that are almost invisible, but very much are nuanced in terms of, of her tie to a spirit, which she readily admits she made a pact with. And even as recently as uh, several months ago was on a show with, um, with Oprah in which she talked about the relationship she has with the spirit and how it is because of that relationship that she's able to have the talent that she does. So that's just one example. Another example is a man by the name of, an actor by the name of, comedian by the name of Jim Carrey, who has referred to himself on a number of occasions as a Luciferian. So in, in Hollywood, again, I, not to target Hollywood, but just to say, there, I think there, the, the fascination and the intrigue is there is a yearning for answers to questions and a yearning for a purpose in life, which I think we all are yearning for that because we're, what makes us spiritual is we all have a soul. But I think what has happened is as Christianity for many people has, has lost its sense of relevance and Jesus Christ and Christianity no longer provide what people want in the instantaneous sense, these other alternative practices have become much more attractive because they give you what you want in much more of an instantaneous fashion. One of the things that uh, we had talked about when I, again, was in residence, um, and about the, there's a, the role of authority. Now, again, some of these people want to be self-proclaimed authority, and they don't want Christ as Savior, Christ as teacher. Um, when you have permission, uh, you have to get official permission. So the role of authority is uh, very important in, in your work. Can you speak briefly about that? Because I want to also, before the show is over, talk about ways that our listening audience can avoid these portals. Sure. But maybe just something about, uh, briefly about authority. The, the, value, the, the value of authority is, is enormous because the demonic realm is very legal. In our tradition as Catholics, the four characteristics of Catholicism are one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, which we pray in the Creed every Sunday. The notion of apostolic authority means that there has been an unbroken chain of authority from Christ to Peter to the present bishops in the world today. And that unbroken authority is what, in a sense, gives veracity not only to the local bishop of a diocese, but then who then gives gives a mandate to someone such as me because without the mandate I'm not able to perform a formal exorcism or even be involved credibly in this ministry because the bishop is the chief exorcist of the local church therefore the the mandate that I'm given means that I also have a connection with the local bishop not only as an ordained priest of that diocese but in this ministry specifically the demons recognize the authority and they recognize that unbroken authority that only we ourselves, we're the only church that has that, that can actually make that claim of unbroken authority. The demons recognize that unbroken authority. So even sometimes in deliverances, I will say, do you see the person of Christ in my eyes? Do you see the wounds of Christ in my hands? Because I'm acting in persona Christi. Once they acknowledge that, then I will say to them that you must submit to my authority as an ordained, validly ordained priest and the mandated exorcist of the diocese. And they have to. 
just briefly, we're running out of time here. Could you, to our, for our listening audience, um, how how can they avoid um, the portals? How sure. can they, um, uh, in any way, so they don't get caught up in this right. stuff is, that right. seemingly is so, they think is innocent, but so dangerous? There's four ordinary means of protection that I learned from a very wise exorcist a number of years ago. A prayer life, a faith life, a moral life, and a sacramental life. And I've given talks just on those four, mm-hmm. um, those four conditions of, you know, when people say to me, how do I stay protected? I have a relationship with Christ that I work at through prayer. And that the moral life is what compels me to, to foster that relationship with Christ for whom I am one of his disciples. And the sacramentality that we have in terms of the wep- the spiritual weapon we, we have in our Catholic faith is what gives me the armor to be able to seal that moral faith and that relationship with Christ Jesus. You practice those four attributes, the chances of anything demonic are next to them. You mentioned also in, uh, in our conversations that a confession, mm-hmm. a sacramental confession, when an individual goes to the sacrament of penance and receives on it, you know, shares what is going on, their sins, and receives absolution, that that is more powerful. Can you say briefly about that in the last uh, 40 seconds? The sacrament of reconciliation is more powerful than an exorcism. The reason it is is because it's a sacrament versus an exorcism or a deliverance, which is a sacramental, and a formal exorcism in particular is a sacramental. So there's a relationship between the disuse of the sacrament of reconciliation, I believe, and the fact that there are these occult and these other doorways have become so prominent in our culture amongst our Catholic people, but amongst people in general. When, when what the sort of one of the prescriptions that we give people when we first meet with them, as you would go to a doctor to get a prescription if you had an infection, weekly mass, monthly confession, daily prayer. And confession and being able to announce to a priest, a, sacra- a valley ordained priest, the very, very sins that you yourself have committed, in a sense, not only liberates you, but it realigns you once again with the church because our sins are communal. Our sins are just not personal, but they have a communal effect upon the body of Christ. And that's why we have it as a sacrament, though it may be celebrated privately. It is a public ministry of the church, just as exorcism. Father Gary, it's been great to be with you, Hillary, to join us in these summer months. And again, we ask our Blessed Mother's intercession as that image of her crushing the head of Satan is a very powerful one. God bless you and have a good summer. Thank you very much. God bless. 